Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. I'm Manali, and with me is Nasreen. We are back from our short hiatus, bringing you more content on recycling and sustainability and material science. This week, we have Emma Brazik from the Georgia Institute of Technology, otherwise known as Georgia Tech, and she's going to talk to us today about campus sustainability and the economics of recycling. Let's go ahead and get started. Emma, do you mind introducing yourself? Hi, my name is Emma Brodzik. I am the Zero Waste Project Manager at Georgia Tech in the Office of Solid Waste Management and Recycling. Can you tell us how you first got interested in sustainability? Yes, so I have always had an interest in sustainability, especially when it comes to waste and recycling. I've had a passion for as long as I can remember just for the intrinsic value of resources and not wanting them to go to waste and wanting to figure out ways that they could be repurposed in the best possible case scenario. When I was younger, I actually made my parents drive me to a recycling drop-off when we moved to Georgia because our neighborhood didn't have a pickup yet and I wasn't old enough to drive. I don't really know where that internal passion came from. It's just always been something at my core that's been really important to me. And luckily, I've been able to steer my career towards this work That's awesome. Could you describe your current role a little bit more and what exactly it involves at Georgia Tech? So the Office of Solid Waste Management and Recycling is a long title. We are a part of the now Infrastructure and Sustainability Group. It used to be called Facilities Management. We work really closely with the Office of Campus Sustainability, especially with their work around engagement and policy. We in our office have a recycling crew, so we actually have team members that go through the buildings and collect recyclables. We also transport a lot of our own materials to specific partners or processors, so we take our paper and our cardboard directly to a paper processing facility. We also have a source-separated recycling system, so we don't commingle our materials and we're able to earn rebate revenues from that. We also oversee the solid waste contract with our hauler that moves material that we ourselves don't take. Um, And then beyond that, we also work with different student groups, engagement, um, as well as with faculty and staff to inform them on what is and isn't recyclable. Great. So can you tell us a little bit more about your background? I went to Georgia College in Milledgeville and was lucky enough to work in their Office of Sustainability and really get some more tangible experience around materials, how they how they work, um, the ins and outs of more of the operations of that. I was lucky enough also to win a scholarship through the Georgia Recycling Coalition and attend their conference as an undergraduate. After undergrad, I did a contractorship with Delta Airlines and their environmental sustainability team. I then took on a role with a company called Ketter Environmental Services, and they manage the waste and recycling for commercial properties such as malls, commercial office buildings. That's where I learned 
a vast knowledge. And through those experiences, I then um, was able to get my my initial role at Georgia Tech with the same office, but more in a coordinator position. And, and now I've been promoted to more of a project manager and really love being on a campus So can you tell us a little bit about how maybe campus recycling differs from maybe city versus state and how that specifically relates to Georgia? Sure. So obviously we've touched on the source separation being on the general campus. That is quite unique. Um, It used to not be, especially with early recycling, even before 2000, the 70s, the 90s, people were separating their materials. Single stream came along and was this promise of convenience, volume, capabilities, but then that kind of opened the door for contamination. Because when you say recycling to someone, they may not always know what specific items can be included in that. And the leaning on the sortation of the materials also lends itself to people having the mindset of, oh, well, someone will sort this and it'll get figured out. So that's why we prefer to keep our source separation in the areas that it makes sense. So like I in housing, unfortunately, the volumes with the number of students we have now have, you know, we have we can't keep up with that. And we have the single stream there. Are you saying that we do or Georgia Tech does both single stream and separated collections for recyclables? Yes. So the, the only areas that we have the single stream collection is the residential housing sector. And then the rest of the campus is on a source separated program. So if you see our stations in a building like Clough, you see that there's different slots for each of them. We actually don't mix those materials together. Um, However, in housing, uh, when students live on campus, they can bring out their materials. They um, are commingled through that. And so it's a it's a balance between volume and, you know, attention to sorting. So and so most places around the state do have single streams. If you live in Atlanta and you are a residential customer, the curbside collection is going to be single stream. The main point of the single stream system wasn't to kind of pick out recyclables. It's more so to separate the recyclables from themselves. What are the materials that need to be separated and what happens once they come to a recycler? Um, You really have like a a core of five materials, plastic bottles and containers. So this is, the plastic is always a hard one because so many things are made out of plastic now, but really rigid bottles and containers, those are your go-tos. Aluminum cans, steel cans, So like your soup cans, paper, and cardboard. So those are your main five materials. And then they go to these large facilities where they're sorted, sometimes by machinery. So there's um, magnets that pull off the steel. There's eddy currents that pull off the aluminum. And then there's different blowers and sorters that can kind of push light materials. So paper flies up when it gets hit with these blowers and it separates them mechanically. But there's still a large emphasis on actual labor. So there's real humans. You want to talk about equity. People are going back through this. So the the pitfalls of of you saying, well, oh, some someone else will sort this out. 
you know, it's not really fair to those people. They're they're working to collect recyclables and sort recyclables. They're not trying to figure out your trash for you. So that's why we we want to really engage students and and let them know when they're living on campus of what is and is not recyclable. What happens once the materials are sorted? And so from these larger facilities, once the material has been sorted, it's then typically baled, which is um, kind of compressing all the material into these large cubes. And then those are sold on a market. So at its core, recycling is an economics economic market. Um, So when we've heard all the the negative news around um, China's importation bans and the dropping of prices, it's not so much that material is not recyclable, it's that those markets crashed because there was no outlet for the material. Um, In Georgia, we're quite lucky that, you know, sending stuff to China is almost more difficult for us because of where we're positioned in the United States. So where we're position geographically, we already have a lot of our own markets domestically. So Georgia is known as the carpet capital of the world, if you didn't know that. Um, We're responsible for recycling one third of all plastic bottles in the country through the reuse and repurposing of the material um, in the carpet. So a lot of carpet is made up of like a plastic nylon material. Um, We also have a lot of other manufacturers that process glass, aluminum. Um, We have Coca-Cola and other beverage manufacturers in the state, and they're making new cans pretty consistently in our state. We have a lot of paper processing. Westrock is our partner currently with our paper processing. They're actually headquartered in Atlanta, so they have a lot of mills around here and throughout the southeast. So we're very fortunate in in Georgia and in the Southeast that we have these markets available to us. Okay, yeah, awesome. So could you tell me some of the benefits of recycling these materials from an economic standpoint? The reason materials are recycled is that these manufacturers want them. They have a demand for them. Um, It makes more sense to reuse and buy aluminum then to have to go mine more bauxite, which is the mineral that makes up aluminum beverage containers. It uses less energy, it's less costly. So there's actually a price that these um, sorted bales of aluminum will earn you. And um, plastic is a pretty good one to understand this market. Most people don't realize it. You guys definitely do being um, in material science. Plastic is made out of petroleum. So anytime oil and gas prices are up, the value of post-consumer plastic has is also going to rise because the barrel of oil that's now being mined is or extracted is more expensive. So instead of having to go buy virgin petroleum to make your plastics, it is more incentivizing to reuse the plastic. So if gas prices are up, that means the recycled plastic market is also going to be more valuable to the person selling the materials. So it makes more sense for a manufacturer to want to buy post-consumer than the more expensive and rising um, oil prices. So I hope that makes sense. That does. So I guess to sum up, (laughs) a lot to sum up. So 
people will recycle and that's great and they'll recycle at certain rates but you also need to have a demand for some of those materials because eventually that stuff has to be put into new stuff so in cases where petroleum is expensive then a manufacturer might want to use recycled but there's oftentimes when petroleum is way cheaper and so then a manufacturer it's more of an incentive for them to use new virgin materials the economics is a really important point that i guess maybe people don't realize yes a lot of people don't realize it and that's the incentive within the market to collect these materials so you know when we're sitting at home and we um, open all of our mail or we finish drinking a coke and we get rid of whatever container it was in and why do we do that obviously we as consumers think of the earth and but the the real reason why it doesn't end up in the landfill or doesn't end up that being its end of life why it's going to be made into something else is because it is a commodity with value so it is a tradable commodity that has a a price um i studied economics in undergrad so that's my econ hat coming on but um the, the price is a signal of its value, of its um, reason to be able to be used again and the incentive to use it again. Yeah, that's definitely something that um, we've never really discussed before. We talk about recycling in the sense that a consumer puts something into the recycling bin, but I guess that's not really the recycling part. Um, mm-hmm. The recycling part is actually when it gets used or processed in order to be able to make something new and that really depends on if there's a market for it and if someone's going to take it so that that's a very interesting perspective that I've never thought about I also did not know that Georgia was the carpet capital of the world so that's fascinating Um, (laughs) I had seen you know Shaw and Mohawk and all those companies around but I guess I just never thought about it I appreciate that all of the plastic bottles or a lot of the plastic bottles end up in carpets and are actually reused rather than going into the landfill. So I'm glad that um, we have an idea of where some of this stuff is going. In terms of how this affects the campus or how recycling is collected, is there ever time where you know you focus on collecting one thing over another because of the market that's uh, there? Or do you just always, does Georgia Tech just always collect everything and give it to the next facility regardless of what the market is like? Yeah, so the the latter part of that is how we operate. We enjoy our rebate revenues that we earn. Um, We use it to buy more bins um, and other things that we may need throughout the year. But we don't operate as a profit center, so we're not able to earn enough money to pay all of our crew or um, make up the expense for all of the vehicles that we have and in use and the maintenance and purchasing of those and things like that. I guess going back, can you tell us how the rebates work? So rebates are paid typically through the materials recovery facility is the industry term for a recycling facility. It's, it's typically paid out from that company. So like I mentioned, West Rock um, is our partner. Uh, we also take 
our plastic or waste management, our vendor hauler, they haul our plastic and our aluminum cans to a West Rock facility. And West Rock also produces paper and cardboard materials. So if you ever look at the box, the bottom of a box, like an Amazon box, there'll be this circular stamp and it'll tell you the company that made it and what city it was made in. They have an incentive to gather up all this paper and cardboard because they make cereal boxes, pizza boxes, Amazon boxes. Um, they want the fiber-based items. And then they collect all of these other items to get the ones that they want and then they sell the others. So when the plastic is sold to Mohawk or Shaw, West Rock gets that money and then they share they share it with us basically. I most recently was looking at our scrap metal pricing. Um, and when you look at it at first, you're like, oh, this is kind of nothing because it's seven cents per pound. But we operate in tonnage usually in the waste world. So that's about $140 per ton. So anytime we can send one ton of scrap metal to our scrap metal partner, we are earning $140 right now. Again, that fluctuates. And then we're also experiencing that avoided landfill cost, which is about $48 per ton for the landfill disposal fee. That's awesome. So that's every time you send a ton of scrap metal, that's $140 to spend on more bins or improvements for recycling around campus. That's great to hear. This idea of rebates, and this is something I wasn't familiar with before in terms of recycling, how does that play into the economics of recycling and actually getting that material that people recycle to a product? How does policy play into into all of that? There are a lot of different um, policies around waste. Georgia doesn't have very many of them. Um, the, the only kind of two policies is there are some cities, especially Atlanta, has a multifamily recycling requirement. It's, it's an ordinance. And um, there's only one material that is um, a state law that you cannot landfill tires. So if you've ever purchased tires here, you'd, you'll notice there's a dollar fee um, when you do that. And that's to go into the Solid Waste Trust Fund. And um, if you ever go to a dump, and you have tires, they won't let you do it. It's exciting that we have that one one piece for ourselves, but that's um, that legislation was created back in the 90s, so we haven't had any new legislation in Georgia in a while. Yeah, we discussed this previously in episode 15 on rubber and tire recycling. Our guest Tom Rosenmeyer had told us about the disposal fee for tires. And I'm glad tires aren't ending up in the landfill because we learned how easy they are to recycle into new rubber. Could you let us know some other incentives that are going on as well? Some states have more of a pay-as-you-throw. So in Georgia, the southeast, we have very inexpensive landfill rates because we have a lot of space. Um, in the Northeast and the West Coast, their landfills are getting closer to capacity. So they're, those disposal fees that I mentioned, those are much higher. So we have less of an incentive sometimes. So policies can be a good way to start creating these reasons to recycle. I know California has a lot of state laws around um, requiring restaurants 
of certain sizes to have composting because they have they have such a source of food waste. Um, so I think some things like that. Going back to talking about campus sustainability, can you tell us more about the new AWARE program at Georgia Tech and what it used to be like before this started? Um, One of the biggest changes we had in the summer of 2020 uh, beyond the pandemic was um, we instituted our AWARE program as the campus standard across all buildings. So AWARE stands for Actively Working to Achieve Resource Efficiency, and it kind of has multiple meanings. It's kind of like a three-tiered approach. One is that it allows people to get a better understanding of their waste footprint. So the the core of the program is the waste at your desk is no longer serviced. It's the responsibility of the person at the desk to take their material to a central location. And we've been working really hard to implement additional recycling stations in our buildings to help that increase the collection of recycling. So put in 16 recycling stations in there that people have the more ease of access to get to the proper station. And we also are able to then create this understanding for each individual person of how much waste they're creating and maybe they can find creative solutions of bringing reusable cutlery is a really big one because if you notice that you're always having to get up to go take that then you can try to find ways to not only avoid having to get up from your desk but you know avoid the waste um, impact that you're having and it also helped us major shift in why we did it during the summer of 2020 was the strain on our custodial team during the pandemic and the increase of tasks and sanitization that they were doing. That was able to help us reallocate a lot of time back to them. The, The program actually started in 2009, but we were slowly implementing it anytime a new building opened or there was renovations in a building, but this was a a switch that we flipped to cover the whole campus. So we have some studies that have shown that there's the potential for recycling to increase by 60% by doing this with our examples from our own campus. So really excited about the transition. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been interesting to adjust being one of the people having to do that change. But to explain, I guess, a little bit more, before we had trash cans in the office, and then we also had the different a couple of different recycling bins, and then we would put our trash in the trash can, then the custodial service would come and pick them up. And I think we still had to do the take out the recycling ourselves. Um, but our lab was pretty good about it. We had separate bins for everything and then we had our trash. But other people aren't as good about it. So the changes with the AWARE program, now there isn't a trash can in the offices. We have to specifically take our trash and our recycling out to these different 16 uh, stations out in the hallways and the corridors. And then we throw the trash and the different recycling and separated ourselves at these stations. The first few days, actually for several weeks, I did notice how often I would get up to throw things out. Um, And then, yeah, it was a change because I was like, okay, now I am clearly making a lot of trash because I didn't realize how many times I was getting up to throw it away. And so that did change some of um, my behavior. But that's essentially what that looked like from an individual behavior perspective, I think. But it it was interesting. Is there anything that you would like a general audience to know more about the economics of recycling? 
I I think the big thing is that the active recycling it may seem to us that when we put something in the bin, it's been recycled, but it is really this further down the line part of the circular economy that is the, the actual recycling or repurposing of a materials. Um, just being understanding of what materials can be used instead of just, you know, wish cycling. It isn't good to send things that are not recyclable. So thinking about the items and their value, where they came from. We live in an amazing, modernized, globalized world, but there's still this whole process of extracting oil and sending it from overseas and taking it to production and then putting it in a store and then taking it home. And then that made the plastic bottle that you're drinking out of. So yeah, that it's a very important point. You really don't think about what happens as soon as you take that action. There's so much more that goes along with it or happens until you have to then take the action of buying something. So very important. Do you have a fun fact to end with? I guess a fun fact about recycling, since it's on my mind, um, I talked about the markets that we have in Georgia and especially around aluminum. A can can be put in a bin, go through those processes, remanufactured, put and put back on a shelf for you to buy another soda or whatever beverage of choice in 30 days within Georgia because we have so many markets and manufacturers available to us. In most places, it's about 60 days, but ours is a little more accelerated. Good to know. Georgia's even better than most places. So yay, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) We want to thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experiences and knowledge about the economics of recycling and campus recycling with us. So thank you. Great. Thanks so much for having me. To learn more about the AWARE program at Georgia Tech, please go to recycle.gotech.edu slash aware. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee and Nasreen Khan. Music is by Shang Young. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGTM Podcast, or you can email us at talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.